three grade 12 English classes connecting community through story. This is the podcast project. It's like actually having an aneurysm. <laughs> but it's going. It's not recording, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Welcome to Stories from the Street a podcast focusing on the untold stories from our local homeless community. And, like, I'm, I'm high right now. Can you tell? It's a crazy story. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Stories from the Street. Today, we will be discussing the grim reality of drug use within the homeless population through the eyes of Michael, a 30-year-old local homeless man within the community of Victoria. Throughout the episode, we will be touching upon how one's upbringing can affect their outcome in the future, how the cards that someone has dealt can affect their life story, and how we as privileged teenagers take the opportunities we are given in life for granted. Studies in Toronto show that 40% of homeless people have had issues with drug use in the past 30 days. This is Michael's story. If I can help somebody every day or put a smile on their face, I'm happy. I feel better. My name is Abigail, and I met and interviewed Michael. Michael was the first person Kara and I interviewed. We'd both never been to Rock Bay before and were quite nervous going into the whole experience. As we walked up the stairs, we saw people of various ages and demographics sitting around a table outside. It looked like a group enjoying lunch, but instead of food, they were passing around different kinds of drugs. As we went into the meeting room where we would soon meet Michael, and we were quite apprehensive, he walked into the room, his off-white ripped beater shirt and worn down shorts made it really easy for us to judge him. His hands looked swollen and bruised, and they were busy picking at scabs on his head. Never once did he make eye contact. We had no idea what we were in for at this point. I'm from all over the place. There's just so much negative um, stereotism. It's like, oh, we don't want you kind here, you bum. So for me, it's kind of a kick in the butt because if we want to do good and rent a place and they're, they're judging us before we even get in the door with these amazing skills that a lot of people have here. It's, it doesn't make sense to me, right? I'm currently on the street, on the street, right? Like I don't have, I don't have a bed here. So for me, in order for me to get a job, it's, it's impossible, right? Like, how am I going to get up for work every day? I don't have a proper sleep. I'm not, like, rested. I have to worry every day where I'm going to go. So yeah, it sucks. And my buddies, I didn't even know these people. I just know that they're homeless people who are going through uh, some of the stuff that I'm going through, too. I was a foster kid at a group homes institution. So when I turned 18, they gave me a letter stating that um, my services with Family and Children Services was terminated. And I was given a $100 gift voucher. And that was it. So 18 is when I became homeless for the first time. And I... Me personally, I believe I've been homeless since then. If I could tell you my story, I'm sure people would be very stunned. Do you feel like you were prepared at 18 to leave foster care? Um, no, I was not prepared. I have lack of social, like, 
social development. Like, I don't... You put me in a room full of a bunch of people and I'll run or, like, find an excuse to get away. Don't like people. Like, I don't like... I don't like hate and like racism. I, I guess I'm a hypocrite because I hate people, but <laughs> I just I, just, I can't stand the violence, the, the the racism, the judgment on people's cultures, religion. So I'd rather just be that weird guy who reads a book and keeps to myself. You know? I'd love to be able to go to sleep every night and try to get my life back. Homeless people in general are very. They're good people. We're just misunderstood and judged. We're good, honest people who have really good skills to offer the world. And I wish people would just open up and instead of looking down at us. I have a saying, it's the only time I look down on somebody is when I'm trying to help them up. Is when I'm picking up a fellow brother. I've been a grunt construction worker my whole life. And I, I hate it, but I love it. If you could have any job, what would you do? What I want to do now is help people. I don't care if I'm getting paid for it or not. I'm homeless already. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? What else do I need in, in this world other than food, water, and a place to rest my head? What I'd like to do is um, I want to help homeless people. I want to help people with addictions. I want to, I want to pass my shitty life, excuse my language, like, pass my crappy life that I had on to these other people so they can maybe see, the, see what I didn't see and what brought me down, so it doesn't, they don't have to go through it. So they don't have to live this life, you know? And a grade 10 was the, where I stopped. Um, I, from grade seven till like, until I was 17, I spent every one of those years, like I spent every year in jail, pretty much, like off and on, off and on, foster care. If I didn't follow the rules, my foster parents would call the cops. So all I was able to get was just like a couple grade nine credits and then I waited till I was 20, 21 and I went back to school for one semester and then I got my equivalent to grade 10. I do want to go back to school because I want to, I, I want to take some, I didn't know I could be a drug counselor, like you know what I mean, or whatever it is, but I have to go get that piece of paper, you know what I mean? So in order to do that, I have to get my GED and all this other crap, so... My head wasn't in the game when I was going to school and living with my mother. Let's put it that way. Going to foster in grade seven. I don't know what that age is, but I got brought home by the police. I was sleeping on top of a roof like a like a Tim Hortons. It was grade six at that time, and I, I was a boy. I got caught on the roof, camped out. I went home, and my mom says, "Oh, you're in trouble, you're in trouble." And uh, she said, you're going into, I'm putting you into foster care to teach you a lesson. So she put me into foster care and says, you're going for a month and you'll see how other kids live and maybe they'll teach you a lesson. So I was in foster care for a month. I asked, called my mom, what's going on, mom? Like, are you coming to get me? She says, no, I'm in Vail, Colorado. So she abandoned me. She left me. I was in Welland, Ontario in foster, in foster care. She didn't come back after that month. So all this time, like, well, all that time until I got to Chernobyl, was I kept telling myself, I'm here because I'm a bad kid. I, I messed up, right? I'm here because I'm a bad kid. I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. I think I beat myself up over that a lot. What my mom said, had said to me, and she says, honey, that is totally not right at all. She says, your mom had an addiction problem. 
and uh, that's why we took you from her. You know what I mean? I hate my mom, but I, I love her because she's my mother. You know, like I don't like what she did, and I can't I can't fix it, but I can't let her forget it either. You know. So I haven't talked to her in a couple months. I was downtown and I seen a kid laying on Douglas in front of chapters with a blanket over his head and people just walking by him. Just, you know, he's coughing and hacking up a lung and yeah. people are just walking by him. I don't know about you, but I think to call ourselves human, you have to be humane. If you're not humane enough to go pick up somebody on the street who needs help or even offer him help, you're not, you're not human. You know, I see it every day, the violence, the, we're some sort of other uh, species now than human because we're not humane to one another. Would your life be different if you didn't go to foster care? I probably would have been dead if I stayed with my mother, even if she had, didn't have an addictions problem because I just, she wasn't good at raising me. It was... Like, from grade three on, I was by myself every day. That's why I like being by myself now. Like, I'd come home from school, and it wasn't like, Hey, how you doing, Michael? Like, no, 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 it's on the table. It was like, hey, I have my own key. I'm in grade three. Go home. There's ten bucks on the table. Go get yourself food. Do you have any other siblings, or is it your only child? Last year, I I wanted to know who my dad was. Because mm -hmm. I'd asked my mother, and she was like, You don't have a father. A really bad man who can't keep his pants on, and uh, yeah, so I have four, I have three sisters, three brothers. They're, they're half half brothers, but they're still my brothers and sisters. I've never met them yet, and they all live in uh, Manitoba somewhere. Yeah, I am the oldest. One of our brothers. Um, Disappeared like nobody's nobody knows where he is. Nobody's like, he's been missing for years, I guess. So he was the oldest, and now it's me. So we stole my tent that I slept in the night previous. Last night I didn't, um, but I didn't have a tent last night, so I just I slept. I just slept outside underneath um, like an overhang for like a business down Pine Village somewhere. So I've been putting my name on the list every day for two weeks. Okay. Trying to get a bed, and I haven't. They come every day, every day. This is the only place that I don't have family. I don't have. I have acquaintances, you know. I have a few friends. I probably couldn't count. Yeah, no, I've been sleeping outside. Uh, yeah. The past two weeks, I've been outside. I, don't have, I can't go crash on a friend's couch. I don't have that luxury here. Start letting people know that we're not all crazy. You know, like, we're not all gonna steal from you. We're not all gonna be swearing up and down the streets downtown, you know. We're respectable, smart, creative, very creative people who just want to live our life and be happy, you know. Like, we're not, we're not all bad people. In this next section, Michael discusses his life on the street and how he makes his living. Average night starts around 8 o'clock after dinner here, and I'll leave here. I'll go down towards our place, and I sell drugs. 
this the thing that I'm trying to stop my friends from using. I in order for me to survive and to not be sick from that drug, I have to I have to sell it. Um, and it gives me a little bit of a peace of mind knowing like I don't I don't make money, I don't make profits all that I make it so I can know that my friends are getting something that's not going to kill them, right? Because it's been tested by me, myself, and yeah, that's a, the night for me. I walk around, I collect empties if I can. Average night is trying not to get arrested, not get beat up, not lose everything else you have in one night. My nights suck. Like, I hate it. I, I used to like um, when my nights consisted of going home, having a shower after work, and cooking dinner, you know, and watching TV with my girlfriend and my fiance at the time. And yeah, that's, I miss those kind of nights, not walking around trying to get high and get my friends unsick. Gets old. I didn't know I had a daughter until two years ago. The mother told me that I had a. Um, a seven-year-old daughter. And as soon as I found out, I'm like, oh, I'm coming. Like, unfortunately, my daughter lives with the mother, his mother. Mm-hmm. And she lives with grandma. Grandma doesn't like me. Understandable, but I wish every day of my life that I would have stayed in Ontario and would have found out then that I had a daughter, so then I could have been, I could have been a dad. I would kick-ass dad. And she's like, I was like... I love playing with toys, I love doing cartoons, you know, I've been good. So right now I'm just praying and hoping that when she does get to be of that age where she making all decisions, that she doesn't want to talk to me and find me. I would drop everything the second to, to do that. But right now I just feel like if I were to just show up into her life, it might do more harm than good. Because mm-hmm. I, I was a foster kid, I kind of seen everything different, right? Like, mm-hmm. People who have been struggling with homelessness their whole lives, pretty much. Uh, people who are, we are products of the government, pretty much. And what I mean by that is, I was a foster kid. I was in group homes. I was in institutions, jails. I mean, I'm institutionalized. I'm a product of, of society, right? I'm, that's what really bugs me is, Lack of respect for the elderly, right? Like we got old old people and women that are sleeping out front of this sleeping out front of this freaking place and it drives me nuts. I'll give up my bed as long as I have to to a woman to go inside. Not that you're any less stronger than I am. Mm-hmm. Not that you can do anything less than that. You can do as much as and maybe more, right? But I I feel that there should be some chivalry, some honor that no elderly, no woman, and no child should have to sleep on the streets anywhere in the freaking world. You know, like give it up, guys. Instead of being jerks, we need to we need to do that much at least. Like I hate seeing a woman out on the streets like by herself. As far as it goes for like what I want to do with addictions and what I want to do for like outreach, just helping people. Like I work in the OPU downstairs. It's the overdose prevention unit. I, I wanted to work in there because I was told it was a volunteer position and like I could help save my friends. Make sure they have clean supplies so they don't get AIDS and don't get HEP and all this crazy crap. 
Is selling drugs your main income? It's all I do, and like I don't do it to to be cool or to you know to make money because I really don't make money off of it. I don't get heroin's a horrible drug. I'm addicted to it, and uh, if I don't have it every day, then I'm like I'm useless. I know my friends are dying from this crap, from this bad drugs that are being put out there, the fentanyl and the crap. At this point in the interview, we decided to ask Michael what he would say to people who tell him to get off drugs. Walk a mile in my shoes. They think that we use drugs because it's fun. We don't use drugs because we want to have fun. We use drugs because we have to. Like, as a, being on heroin and this opiate addiction, like, once it's inside of you, it's, it's inside of you, right? It's like, it's the worst pain, like... Think of a headache that you have, you know, mag- magnify that by like 10. I wish I could get off drugs. But then I realize that when I'm, off, when I'm off of drugs, I'm not myself. I've been using for a long time. And like, I'm, I'm high right now. Can you tell? I get to where I have to be, and then I, le- I just level off. Like, Why don't you think you can ever get clean again? Because I don't, I don't know if I can get clean again. I, I've done it a few times, but certain circumstances made it a lot easier, you know. I have chronic back pain from roofing and concrete and all that since I was a young kid. So, like, I could get, I could get clean, like, by the standards of maybe not buying drugs off the street and getting a doctor to just write me a prescription for the morphine that I need for my back. Instead of me buying the heroin and fentanyl, that's the only way I, I would be able to get clean. I've been using opiates since I was like 21. All in all, it is evident that Michael has a huge heart. Foster care and upbringing definitely plays a role in the effects of one's future. Michael is a great example of how drugs don't define a person, and although he is on drugs, he is still a person with a big heart and cares a lot about the people around him. I hope that through this episode you could see that all people have a story. No matter what they've been through, no matter what they've done, everyone has a story, and it is not up to us to sit there and judge someone based upon their appearance or based upon the way they act. We don't know anything about anyone. So sit down and talk to someone next time. I really appreciate you guys coming down and even caring. That's a big thing. I, I didn't think anybody cared enough to even come down and talk to us. So it means a lot to me and other people here too, right? So, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Project. We want to give a quick shout out to Twisted Way for their support. And make sure to tune in next time for more stories from the street. If you're looking to lend a helping hand, please donate to your local homeless shelters or volunteer. Next time you're walking down the street, make sure to take a minute and spread spread kindness. kindness.